next time we have news that is relevant for everyone to move from the lower and middle class all the way to the upper class top one percent everybody antonio t smith jr here i invented mexic news and a whole news station and all this stuff to rival the cnn's the fox news the newsmaxes the msnbc's whether it be far left far right or somewhere in the middle or middle left middle right we need a not-for-profit news a news that is not meant to scare you a news that is not so concerned with politics unless it's financially taking money out your pocket or putting money in your pocket and that's the purpose of mexit news mexit stands for middle class exit and that's what i'm about i'm fortunate enough to be in the top one percent and i'm bringing as many people with me as possible so on mexit news you learn about crypto you learn about blockchain. You learn about things that are relevant, that are excellently relevant, and that are fortified to push you to the next level. So thank you for joining Mexit News. It is a pleasure. You're going to hear this because this is on a podcast. So if you can give a rating, if you can send as much traffic to this podcast as possible, it always remain free because using advertisers to pay so i never have to charge you for the news antonio t smith jr you can't plant better you can dominate all right welcome back welcome back this is the people's congress i am stephen walker we have a show for you tonight it is going to be a free for all nights and it's going to be amazing so we're going to start off with uh just introductions of our congress uh just say your name and uh, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll do it again a little later. Go ahead. Let's go with Adrian. Hey, this is Misunderstood Adrian. Um, I am the CEO of IMA Industry LLC. We are the climate and culture change specialist. We're going to show up on you. We're going to change a little thing. We're going to talk about some stuff. And I am the author of a new book, Surviving Tough Times. On your march, get set, go. And we All are going right. to take this thing back by storm. That's what's Look up. All right, Jerome. Welcome, folks. This is uh, Jerome Red, a.k.a. Romy Rome, Baltimore's own. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, Maxine. Hello, everyone. The Levelist Woman coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. I welcome you to the ATS. Let's Woo! do it tonight. All right. Go to Yamatelli. Good evening, America. This is Yamatelli Kwashi, new to Long Island, aspiring business owner. All right, Kevin, take it away. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the future. Kevin Vaughn out of Kennesaw, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. We're excited about you being here today. I am the C C uh, CEO and founder of the MLT Network, ladies and gentlemen. And we do, we work on helping you each and every day in the area of business, education, training, and technology. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Vicki. Hey, everybody. I'm Vicki Ryan from Richmond, Virginia. Um, happy to be here and be part of the People's Congress tonight. All right, Tanya. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Tanya Harper from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Um, one of the founders of Agape Hands um, Outreach. 
All right, and I am Stephen Walker, the host and the original owner of America, the country you live in. I have the deed in my back pocket to prove it. All right, here we go. We're going to go ahead and jump into the story, into our stories. Kevin, you have the lead story tonight. Take it away. Oh, what an honor, ladies and gentlemen. What an honor. Thank you so much, Mr. Walker. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we have, uh, we're excited about the middle class today. We're not, we're, not, we're not unexcited about the other classes, but we are excited about the middle class. But we need to understand how important we are, the middle class, how important we are. First of all, give yourself a hand for being the middle class. <laughs> amen, amen. So I'm going to get you started yeah, I'm here. Glad to be I, I'm on my way out of this joint, but go there ahead. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go it. ahead. It, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. So why is the middle class so important to us, ladies and gentlemen? You must understand that. You must know that. You must research that. Now, keep in mind, we don't have enough time to go over everything, so we're going to kick it off with some initial information on why the middle class uh, in America is so important. Middle class Americans I mean, are the economy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. What do you mean, why are we so important? Why is the middle class so important? We because don't talk we about slave it. every day. They're the only people that go to work all the time. It's <laughs> their money that's holding American back up. I mean, we, we, that's oh, exactly right. Read, read the article. Read Absolutely. the article. Tell us why, tell us why <laughs> we're so important. Absolutely. You know why we get up every day. I'm tired of getting up every day. Tell me why we're so important. Tell me why. <laughs> Amen. You're absolutely right, Idris. Exactly where we're going. Middle class Americans are the economy's largest group of consumers. <laughs> we consume a lot of stuff, man, which makes the engine of the economy grow. Of course, as you know, the middle class also keeps the economy in a balance. Ah, uh, you y'all know about that, right? Balance between the other side and the other side. <laughs> I'll just mention that right quick. And then next, ladies and gentlemen, without a healthy middle class income continues to accumulate at only the very top. And we know about that. So we're excited about that. But that's the reason why we need to discuss, Stephen, why we're so important, what we can do about it, what we can improve about it, how we can bring other people up to the middle class area. And as we move up to the next level, we want to talk about that a little bit today. All right. So that, let's take a look at it. What, what Kevin's talking about is buying power. The yep. middle class has the buying power. We are the consumers. So therefore, having the buying power means we can make some decisions that affect our life. That's what we're all about here at the People's Congress. We want to empower you to make decisions that help you change your life. ATS and Mexit is all about helping the middle class exit from this wasteful knowledge in your head that you aren't important. You are important. Like Adrian said, why? Because we work. Yeah, we are the engine that keeps this country running. You need to rec recognize who you are and what you have on your side. All right, let's take it to the Congress. Let's talk about it. Who wants to go first? Okay, well, God bless you, Tanya. All right, and uh, is there anybody else that wants to talk about it? Well, you know, when you think about it from the middle, middle class perspective, not only do we have the buying power and, the, and like we're trying to not try, but we are acquiring the control over it. But I often think back when my son was in college and here I am in the middle class, it's hard to get a loan because you, you make a certain amount of money, but we don't make enough money to pay for the college education. Come on. You're Tell caught in between both of them. I used to tell my husband, okay, so we eating hot dogs and pork and beans for how long? 
know, because we want to get him through college and education was very important to us at that, you know, always. And so I think about that all the time. We pay all the taxes and then we're in a catch 22. We don't make enough money, but then we make too much money for certain things. So you're right. I'm ready to get out of this middle class. <laughs> you, know? you know, it reminds me of the hamster on the wheel, just running yes. around and ain't going nowhere. Continuously, right. continuously. It's a good way. It's a good way to understand it because when you think about the hamster running on the wheel, that's exactly what we're doing. And then it says that we're juggling. So that means you go to work. You're working to slave for the money. Then. You have the money and then you run and go spend the money. So you really have no time for your family. You really are caught up in the fact that you need the money to live and then you want the money to do what you need to do. So as long as we keep you working and then keep you spending and then keep you working and keep you spending. Now it's like before you know it, you didn't you didn't did it. And, and that's you know how what? we end up living paycheck to paycheck. And check this out. You know what it, you know what it is? It is, if you can imagine it, imagine those running wheels, like nine of them, 10 of them in a row, side by side at a starting line. And inside of it are, are hamsters or little rats. It's called the rat race. The gun goes off. Everybody's running. Ain't nobody going nowhere. You're staying right there at the starting line. That's what it looks like. That's why they call it the rat race. Mic drop. You know, I never thought right. about that. <laughs> I never thought about that. I yeah. never thought about that. But that until until you develop the mindset, then now it's time to no longer be in that rat race. And what are we going to do in order to overcome that or to move forward? And that's where the Mexit comes in at. That's All where right. ATS comes in at to help us to understand that we can be in control. Exactly right. So now, Congress, let's not just talk about it because see, that's what the politicians are doing. Let's be about it. Let's come up with some solutions right now for the middle class to get out of the rat race. Do you guys have any ideas that can help our viewers that are watching us tonight get out of the rat race? Well, Ms. Maxine just said it all right there. She just said it all right there. Connect yourself with the ATS. Connect yourself. Find out about the ATS Business University. Because if you don't know anything, you'll be able to at least find the source to get to the information. And the one thing that he rests on is that you can ask the question. And anyone that knows, if you ask, like Miss Maxine says, if you ask the right question, you just might get exactly what it is that you're looking for, plus some. But that's a good place to start because, I mean, well, I guess you can go anywhere. But no, I would rather you go to the ATS because there's a place where you can go where you pay a whole lot of money to get a whole lot of nothing. Right. So now the ATS Business University, of course, is what we all are a part of. Uh, it is ATS stands for Antonio T. Smith Jr., the man who owns this company, ATS and network that we're on that you guys are watching us from. Uh, and Mexit is his idea. That's his baby to help the middle class exit by getting empowered and educated. And that's what ATS is. It's an online business college. There's courses you can take to get empowered and get the, the information that you need to make the decisions you need to make. So, um, so all right, let's go to Maxine. Maxine, what you got for us? Well, tonight I am going to share with you an Italian hospital employee accused of skipping work. But get this, 15 years 
not just with 15 days, but 15 years. You sure he wasn't in a coma? I no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. 15 years. Okay, let's hear that. 15 since 2005. And oh. now he's being investigated for fraud, extortion, <laughs> abuse I of office. And then he's talking about the X amount of money he has to pay back. But there are six managers that are now being investigated. That's connected with this. Now, you might ask yourself, how in the world can an employee go missing in action for 15 years? Oh, that's easy. Inside job. That's why, that's why they're investigating those six managers. But the other kicker was is that the manager that he was initially reporting to, supposedly well, the way the article states that he threatened that person and they eventually retired and the new manager who took the place never even knew the employee existed. And my hey, but everybody else knew. But human resources, and you know, I'm a human resource, 35 year HR vet. And so I'm thinking, what about payroll? You yeah, know, what about that's what saying. What about employee meetings? What about evaluations during the year? Yeah. How did all this go for 15 Maxine. years? Exactly. Come on. Come on, Maxine. Break that thing down. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's powerful. You know, I was like, Say again, Tanya. I was like, how did he get how did he yeah. go that many years? Like um Miss Maxine was saying, like when they checking off and doing their checks and balances with yeah. the paychecks and everything, and they were like, exactly. wait a minute, whose name is this? Who is this? Exactly. Get direct deposit. <laughs> he was just getting direct so, deposit. That's what was right. the name of this company? You said it was a hospital. It, it was a hospital and uh an Italian yeah. hospital. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's probably one of the uh, places that you could probably get away with that, even for that length of time, probably because of the turnover and the retention rate and all that good stuff. Because I worked at a place, guys, that had over 30,000 people at one time. And you could not pull that one off for sure. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Sally, what you got? I wonder what type of position. I mean, because how could you go in and out? I've used to work in a hospital as a registrar. Um, and, you know, I've registered the patient and then taking where they have to go. But I have to report back. So right. if I'm going like an extra five or 10 minutes, it's like, well, and so coming back late, you have to give an explanation. So it must have been some type of position where you're just kind of able to slide in and out incognito, I guess. Right. It's stated that he was a civilian servant is what is stated. He was a civilian okay. servant, but we don't know what that definition is at that particular right. hospital because wow. we're talking about, you know, an Italian employee in, in Italy. So. All right, Congress, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. We're going to take part of our budget this year. We're going to go to Italy. We're going to go to that hospital. And we're going to report live. All right. That's what we're going to do. Uh, thank you, uh, Antonio, for paying for our trip. We appreciate it. So, the People's Congress does not joke. We take news seriously. All right. So, we're going to travel anywhere in the world to make sure these stories are correct. Let's go to Asia. Like she got something she wants to say. Yeah, yo. I got I to gotta report this live from Philadelphia. I don't want to go. Okay. Because <laughs> Joey Black, Joey Red, somebody that was a made man somewhere said that he wanted this job. Y'all didn't hear this report. They said that the, the manager was 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 hospitalized. Well, see, I heard hospitalized because he said that you I can't do this. This this is against everything. And he said, I said this is my job and I need my stubs and I need everything to go. And that made man said, oh, okay, that organized crime stuff is not playing with nobody in anybody's 
Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Y'all okay, listen okay. To what the, listen to what just happened. <laughs> and I need pay stubs, and I've been at work every day. I don't even take vacation. You know what I'm saying? I need all <laughs> my documentation. Document me. I was verified. I was here every day. And you bet not say nothing. Now, they said the man died. <laughs> and then the other one just kind of got grandfathered in. He's like, who? Just sign the paper, sir. He's like, what? Just sign the paper, sir. <laughs> no, just sign the paper, sir. Look, hey, look for real though. Make a, good point. Make a good point because there is organized crime. This is 15 years, it's a long time. There's some inconsistency there. I mean, there's a lot of checks and balances that should have occurred in the 15 year period. And what, what I'm amazed about is they discovered it. Like, I want to know how they discovered it. 15 years, somebody I mean, who looked knew. at that? Somebody knew, and a young kid came in and said, Well, this doesn't make sense. And then somebody said, Well, you know, they always do that, they've been doing that. Mm, I'm there, no, you know, no, I'm gonna tell you I'm what happened. Oh, you I'm know they always do like got hired and heard that the person that haven't even shown up for 15 years got paid more than them, and they was like, "Wait a minute, that person ain't never here." Oh, I'm telling somebody. I'm telling on this. Right, but it, but it went on to say that the arrest, uh, it was it was discovered after lengthy police investigation into absenteeism and suspected fraud in the Italian public sector. So it took them that long to discover it once they started doing an investigation. But it said a police investigation. It did not say human resources. All right, let's give a hand to the Italian police. You guys are stepping up and actually solving crimes out here. That's what we like to hear. You're helping the people out. You're not a part of the problem. You're part of the solution. And we are thankful for that. All right, so let's go on to our next story. We're going to toss over to Yamatelli Quashi. So are you a creator looking for a home? A place to genuinely call home, a place to put all of your work, all of your creations, some place where you know it will get the attraction, you'll get the followers, the subscribers that you deserve and you need. ATS TV is the place for you. If you want a place where you can call home, reach out to us. Email us at info at AntonioTSmithJr.com and find out how you can become a creator on ATS TV today. We want you and you want us. Welcome home. Tell them us a link in the description. Click the link in the description to find out more about ATS TV and to see where you will soon call home. Now tell them I said hi. Antonio said hi. We are going to talk about Instagram. And it's been funny because we spoke on our last episode about Facebook um, and how you can delete the app, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. So Instagram decides to launch a setting where you can tackle hate speech and abuse. So pretty much um, Instagram has set up where you can use filters uh, to use against words, emojis, anything that you deem as hate speech that comes directly to your inbox, you can filter that out. Mm. And also you can go ahead and report that. And I really feel that this might be a spinoff from what's every, everything that's going on with Facebook since we know Instagram is pretty much like a subsidiary of Facebook. Um, I think because of all of the privacy, and this is me thinking, this is not me saying it, um, stating that, but I think with all of the privacy issues, um, Instagram decided to really hop in the ring and say, we're doing all of this to really tackle hate, abuse, or more so privacy. So I think this is just pretty much 
another layer of just saying we're working on working with the kings people don't be surprised or don't be alarmed so very interesting um very very interesting situation hey, Tanya, you will be happy to know that tonight russia is targeting yumatelli and her <laughs> broadcast in new york and we do not appreciate it one bit all right so uh uh audience if you're watching anytime there's a glitch in the matrix it's russia's fault all right so let's move on to uh what telly just said let's move on to the congress let's talk about it what do you guys think about that is that good bad what are the pros and cons of that Absolutely. I'm excited about uh, that filter because, uh, you know, in ATS, we, we talk about mindset, right? And I don't want nothing interrupting my mindset to where I'm going, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So we want to be really passionate we, about that, Kevin. Yeah, man. We don't want no stuff coming in negative. Matter of fact, I had a good friend of mine the other night. He said he's allergic to negative. So as soon as it comes Come to Come on. Him, that's good. I like that. Allergic to it. <laughs> so, All yeah, right. ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure we keep every possible uh, negative area or anything that would be hateful or uh, anything will try to put you down. Make sure it doesn't come near you or to you and we filter that out quick as possible, folks. All right. So let me take y'all behind the curtain a bit. We're going to slow it down and we're going to take a look behind the curtain. All right. So this is what I see happen. Not that I know everything, but I do know some things, right? This is what I see happen. You can identify what's hate speech and block it. That's great. What happens when they say what you say is hate speech and they Thank start blocking you? you. Thank you. Because I've been blocked and I don't like it. Well, we can see we can see why. But tell it, you had something you want to say. Yeah, so actually in reading about this and studying up on it, I decided to to Google or um, research what hate speech is because we hear it thrown around. Hate speech, hate speech, that's hate speech. I mean, you could say something that's the truth and it like it's hate speech, but right. hate speech is defined as offensive speech that is targeted towards uh, a race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender. Now, with that being said, all of those things, obviously, would con if you're saying something derogatory against that, we could understand that that would be offensive. But I agree with Stephen. We've seen um, in recent years that there's been just an overwhelming uh, censorship or cancel culture that we um, have come to know it as censure people in which you don't agree with. And yeah. that just goes against the very foundation and bedrock of our nation to have the constitution. We have the first amendment and we know it's often thrown around first amendment, first amendment rights, but we do have first amendment rights and we should be able to express ourselves. But if it, I do feel as though if it is harmful to someone else, then that's when you obviously can pursue other me measures like arbitration, you know, legal matters of that, um, you know, of that length. But just because you don't agree with someone, you should not label it as hate speech. And so if you can't really wrap your mind around an idea that's so different from your own, the problem isn't the other person, it's you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm with you on that. We're talking about the, I mean, way to fight through that, that battle you just went through with the technology. You have no idea. How many times your face froze up? We got some really, really? good shots of how you look. Yeah, you look kind of quite crazy a couple seconds ago. Um, but that's, look, we're talking about protected classes. You know what I'm saying? They're protected classes. All of them should be protected. None of them should be above the other. And everyone should have the, the ability to give their opinion coming from those classes without any fear of, of attack, right? Freedom of speech, right? I think when we start having one class have more power and more ability to 
you know, to, to push forth cancel culture or to push a narrative that says that particular class is supposed to be protected somehow is bad and we have to silence them. I think this, you know, this is the challenge with that. The moment you silence one class, you give the ability for them to silence all the classes. Like, for example, um, you guys might not know it. I know I look white, but I'm actually uh, I'm part African-American, black. I'm black and white and, and Indian. You, you know, I don't have on my tribal gear today, so you couldn't tell. But I'm going to tell you, if I, if I say something as a black man, there's a part of society that's like, yeah, brother, speak, speak. And if I say something as a Christian, there's a part of society like, amen, praise the Lord, glory to God. But if I say something as a black Christian, somebody might say, now what? I had this happen to me. So why you got to put color in it? It's like, well, I you can tell by my skin I have color. So I'm just speaking because I'm me, right? The moment they do that, they actually start to dismantle the whole protection system. They say, you know what? Black Christians are this. They say this. White Christians say this. And they start to divide up that class. And if the black Christians don't say anything, they're like, yeah, white Christians be tripping. The next thing they're going to attack are black Christians coming right around the corner. So, so Martin Luther King said, um, injustice for anyone is injustice for everyone, right? And so that's what we got to do, middle classes. We got to know we got to stand up for our brothers and sisters. You know, I've lived in the ghetto. You guys can't tell it, but I have. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you, black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people, they, when they live in that community, they are tight. Why? Because they need each other. The lady lives next door is like your aunt your, or your grandma. You know what I'm saying? It's a real thing. We have to have that collectively all the time because we are the middle class. The people above us wants to control us through fear. You guys see it all the time played out. Pit this one against that one and all of that. And, and what happens is it polarizes us. And if you don't know that the people above you want you just to fight against each other so you won't pay attention to them, then you're going to be a part of the problem. What do you guys think? Let's talk about it. Well, I have a lot to think about. Can I say something? Absolutely. Because I want to talk to you and I want to talk to Kelly because you put a whole new spin on what you're talking about. But that is the truth about what it really is. That's something all the way completely different. You can take that all the way from white and black. Mm -hmm. And that's honest. people want to have white and black conversations, but our children are black and white. So I'm I'm lost. Like when the kids start asking questions like, mom, who is he talking about? Who are they talking about? Like, then you start to realize that 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 needs to be a completely different situation. But we've already lost because the you know, second I, you start talking color. I was at the playground with my son and he went to go get on this 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 uh, toy, whatever, at the playground. He was waiting his turn. So when it was his turn to go, he was moving too slow. And a white girl was standing behind him. And this is what she said to him. Move it, big brown boy. And I had to look at her and I said, you know what? She got that right. She called it like she saw it. That's exactly what he is. A big old brown boy in her way. They don't see like racism. It's not racism for them. They see each other as equals. You know, you are a girl with the pigtails. Can you move? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a real thing. And that's how we have to we have to deal with that on a level with people. Because, for example, if, if you're telling the story and I say, you know, this black man did such and such and such and such. The question should be, why did you tell me his color? Why did you just say this man? Why, why does color have has anything to do with this conversation? Because people have it embedded in them, and we have to help them deal with that racism. 
even against each other. And it's and it's funny because it's funny that you said racism because it's really not racism. It's more so hatred because they just don't know. And because of the fact that they don't know what the second that they do know, they realize there's so much in common. There's, you know, most most people, most people, when it comes down to it, they, you know, like you black and white into the tornado of Russians through your Russians through your block and everybody's and everybody's house is mangled. But there's one house standing. So that's the house that we need to go to because that's the only house that we can use. It doesn't really matter what color your neighbor is at that time. So it really shouldn't matter when when everything is fine. Unfortunately, sometimes God has to send distress so that you can understand that everybody is the same. Shameless plug. That is what surviving tough times is all about. Understanding. But it is. It's really just understanding that you look at it different, but it's all the same. You heard it, I heard it, but it's all the same. They told it different. My son, I grew up in a predominantly white area. My son was actually suspended from school because when he described the kid, he described him as a white boy. Well, that's different. So just the magic, exactly. But there was a black principal. Okay, I'm, I'm glad I held back from my statement, but go ahead. But do you understand? So there was a black principal. So now I'm thinking, now that don't even really make sense. But then he had to go along with his white board. And the white board did not allow, did not like the fact that he said what it was. The only thing that saved my son was my son got up as simple as pie and said, I was just describing him because I didn't know his name. All right. I mean, and everybody and everybody had to stop because he was like, if I'd have known his name, I would have called his name. But I didn't know his name. I wanted the lady to know who it was. So I just called him. the. But they took it mm-hmm. and they suspended him like for saying something racial. And it right. was like. And but you know, racism, racism happens on both sides, you know, and it's not it seems like it's just white people and black people. But you got exactly. Asians that are under attack, Hispanics. Actually, you don't hear Hispanics under attack because they will hurt you. So they don't really mess with Hispanics much. But <laughs> um, but you see other cultures dealing with this issue, and we're not the only ones, right? So that's something that we really got to be um, conscious about. But look at trying to find solutions to, to change uh, to change the issue. Steve, so, now when Imotelli was talking about that about the speech though and the hate, I have been blocked, and the reason why I have been blocked is because. I have a way of coming off very harsh. No. 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 You? No. no. I couldn't imagine that. The, the, simple, the simple fact that my tag is God got goons. People automatically be like, oh my God. Oh, I, I don't I, I don't resonate. I that is hatred. And they don't even know me. I have a you question. Know? And, I have a question. Yeah. Yes. Is that why you know so much about the mafia? Because you're a goon? Is that it? Listen, I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. When I tell you that I, less, I, I rest my case with the blood, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to sit here if it wasn't for the blood. Okay? <laughs> all right. We have all, had a, we have all had a walk, and I bless God for mine because it, it gave me an opportunity to see both sides. Yeah. So now when I speak, I speak from both sides because I came 
from greatness. And then I walked away from greatness and found all that the street and the hood had to offer. And it was not pretty, but it was a life. And we all have to understand that that is a life and they are appreciated in their life. And right now they are really fighting for a voice. And we and, and until we are able to appreciate exactly what's going on, that conversation really can't happen. But yeah, the hood is coming to the boardroom. And like Ms. Maxine just said, they can no longer do what they want to do and run somebody and say, I'm going to be on payroll for 15 years and never show up. Yeah, It's yeah. not going to happen like that anymore. Like, so now you're going to have to show up. If you want this job, it doesn't matter how you want to carry it. You're going to show up. That's if true. You, get you know, so when it comes down to the hate speech, just just like if you have Bible study right now, they make you pay extra to meet. Because they're saying that we are a group of of individuals, just like as if we would be another group of individuals. And we have to pay now. So it's not free. You know how you can get on a chat line and you can talk dirty all night for free. But you have to pay extra for a 30-minute prayer call in the morning. Mm. Mm. So well, when I mean, they say stuff you're about hate, that's where it, like that's where it's like they started it honestly when Donald Trump started doing all what he was doing. That's how they got it to pass so easily because he was the one that was spewing supposedly quote unquote hate. So everyone was like, oh, we got to shut him up. Oh, we got to stop him. So he was the one that they were censoring in the very very beginning of the censoring. But then he kind of like backed up real quick. And then we realized that we were the ones being blocked. And then when we got in down to the gritty of it, we fought for that because mm. we wanted to get that blocked. So sometimes we don't understand what we're doing in the process of what we're giving, but we're really giving our own rights away. Because like you said, that's a First Amendment right. And All a right. lot of people stand on it, but we've given it away because we wanted other people to stop. And we thought by making them stop, that okay. would handle it. So now look, this last five minutes is brought to you by Adrian. She didn't mind telling you everything that was in her mind and she shared it with you. Middle class, you better know. She's going to let you know. And now that she's an author, she's a completely different person than the last show. Take a look. She's changed already. Hey, look, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, what, uh, what, what do you got for us? What's your story? So I have, I know we've heard a lot about COVID. It's just what we're dealing with now, but I felt that we should come from a different angle and from an aspect that is often maybe overlooked uh, depending on where you live. And that is uh, from San Francisco, over, overdose deaths exceeded COVID deaths in 2020. And it's almost shocking to believe that that is the truth because all we did hear about was COVID. Sure. And while I'm not diminishing COVID, there are other areas and, and problems that were brewing alongside the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So last year, there were 713 people that died from overdose, um, whereas there was 255 that died from the coronavirus. And out of those deaths, 81% were men, men, 
And also the drug that was responsible for most of these accidental deaths was fentanyl, which for those who don't know fentanyl, um, I'm sure we all are generally familiar with it, is a powerful synthetic opioid. And it is like morphine, but it is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. Yes. And they actually did a study from May 2019 to May 2020, and it was 81,230 deaths from accidental overdose in San Francisco. And so there's a lot of 81,000 people died from that. 81,000. Yes. 81,000. They be trying to cut that. They trying to cut the regular stuff with that fentanyl and it's killing them. Yes. They be thinking they're getting high and they they really cutting it with the fentanyl like crazy over there and it's killing them. And they said nationwide. So we know a lot of when we started hearing about the pandemic, it was around March of last year. And they said most of those deaths occurred from March 2020 to May 2020. Um, And it's been a hardship for San Francisco um, because a lot of the residents, 27% of them did not have a fixed address, which is meaning they were homeless, Mm -hmm. which is another problem that is brewing in San Francisco. Homelessness is horrible um, in San Francisco. So having um, pretty much a drug epidemic on top of a pandemic and homelessness yeah, it led to uh, a lot of disparity. In that's the a powder cake. So. Yeah, that's a definite powder cake moment. That that's so sad. Um, middle class, if you're dealing with uh, any kind of issues like that, if you know anyone that's dealing with any kind of uh, issue, uh, whether it be mental health or drug, please look for help for them. I mean, that's something that's real across the middle class and and and, and all classes actually uh, are dealing with this. And so we definitely want to encourage you guys to seek help for yourself or seek help for others and, and try Absolutely. to help with these issues. So, uh, so Congress, let's talk about it. Um, you know, is with this happening in San Francisco, and this is just one area to hear that 81,000 people, that's a lot of people. I, I am, I'm saddened by that. I'm shocked. We didn't hear about that. It's, you know, uh, but are you, are you shocked that this is something that's not been reported in the news? I, I'm not shocked because we were at that time. They were just a total. They were like there was a total number going for the COVID people. We were just talking about COVID in the depths because there was like a moment in there where we were, you know, it's almost like an auction. They were like, "No, ninety thousand people gonna die this week," like you know. So it was more like they were. They you you would think that everybody was okay because it wow. seemed like well, I know in Philly we got no news stories. Mm. No. What do you think so about it? We didn't hear about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not shocked either, guys, because uh, there has to be a plan, you know, from the leaders of the city in order to help combat it. And I, I understand it couldn't anticipate everything, but we know what COVID, you know, when COVID hit, you know, obviously the big, you know, folks that really knew about the, uh, the disease or the um, ep- epidemic, they weren't prepared either. I mean, these people do this stuff full time. So let alone a city, and it could be any city, but yeah, I'm not surprised, guys, because this, the plan wasn't there. The infrastructure's not there. They don't have a budget for that. And I don't know if we'll ever have a budget for that, even for a next worst case scenario. So yeah. I'm not surprised. And it's so sad. It is sad uh, because that could be one of my loved ones uh, that uh, fell into that trap uh, because the system is not set up to protect anybody today, it seems almost. It's amazing. All right, Tanya, what you got? 
Um, this is a very touchy subject for me. Um, I'm actually a recovery coach. So um, I know here in West Virginia, when she was given the numbers, you know, every day constantly there's many and many, you know, calls that come in saying people have overdosed and, you know, there's not enough, like we have things here or, you know, there's just not enough resources for the people to get the help, you know, that they need. Um, like um, Mr. Kevin was saying, it's just not enough. Um, and then you got the, um, the COVID-19 on top of that and people not knowing, you know, how to deal with their mental health. It's just so many, you know, different issues on top of other issues. Um, so people just revert to what's easy. You know, they go and look um, for that drug, something to yeah. cover up, you know, what is going, what's going on in the inside. Um, so it's just the resources and, you know, being a peer recovery coach, like the best person to help is that, um, somebody else that has actually been through the same exact thing. Cause they, you know, they, they've tried the therapist. They, it's good that the therapists and stuff are there, but they, it's better when they also have that person that's actually been through it as well to work alongside them, to help that person through those times that the therapist might not be able to understand because they've never taken sure. that drug or yeah. never done it. So they can't, they can't connect to the pe the places that that person might need that connection with um, because they've never been there. Yeah, so I know here in West Virginia, they've really opened up a lot of recovery. It took a lot of work and people, you know, stand on top of, um, you know, the governor and the senator and all that. So they've opened up more centers. But I know in California, the homeless, it's just the cost of living out there is so much higher, you know, than other places. And the homelessness, like I've seen the things on TV that Miss Telly was talking about and how people are making, you know, alongside the streets and everything um, just from being homeless and they don't have an address. They, and they don't know what to do, you know, this, the resources are like drying, you know, drying up and it's not enough, you know, to cover all the people, you know, that's needing this assistance. And that's where we come in. Like, um, you know, we have the different programs. We all have the different things that we do that can help get the people, you know, out of what they're in into, you know, they don't have to be the middle class. They could be on the top, but they have feet. to go yeah. through the skills and the trainings to get to that place, um, another place in life and that mindset um, if, if they don't need to, you know, be, they don't have to stay where they're at. They're better. There's something greater for them than yeah. what they're in. But, um, so, so that's the, that's the thing we got to talk about, you know, as the middle class, there's a lot of issues that has been piled onto the middle class. It doesn't yeah. affect the other ones, right? There's disparities and there's different things that causes homelessness. There's, there's, you know, medical issues, mental issues, sometimes divorce, uh, loss of job. You know, there's a lot of different things that happens. The, the question that I want to pose to the Congress tonight is this. With so many issues that affects the community, where do we begin to fix it? How do we create a plan and how do we make sure that that plan moves forward to so that everyone can rise up out of there? I want to hear from you, Congress. And I want to hear from everybody but Adrian. All right, here we go. Let's go. 
Let's talk about it. Go ahead, Vicky. Well, I was going to, you know, I was just going to echo what, you know, Tanya was saying. I mean, having recovery centers is, and having people who have gone through the experience being there to be somebody to, to be that support, to be that counselor, to be that guidance, um, you know, is so critical. And, you know, to have the funding for that, a lot of times it's like a public, you know, if you're going to these centers, it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a private, sorry, it's a private facility and it costs so much money um, that you can't have, you can't access it. And by the time, you know, you're on a wait list, um, I actually, in 2015, one of my um, really good friends um, passed away um, due to an overdose. Um, and she was two weeks out from, from going to a rehabilitation center, um, which is actually a pretty common, you know, situation um, from happening. Um, but, you know, it, it just took so long to get to a publicly funded facility you know, and in that time, people are struggling. People are fighting for their lives. They have to take care of families. You know, there's so much stuff that's going on. Um, and so I just, Tony, I really appreciated what you what you said. Absolutely. That's good. You know, one thought that I had, well, Jerome, you got something. Go ahead. Oh, oh okay. No, no, no. Look, being from Baltimore, uh, one of the things that went through in my mind is prior to COVID, our society as a whole, was not equipped or did not take care, number one, the homeless, those with mental issues. I mean, I remember when I was growing up in Baltimore, a lot of the mental facilities that housed folks that took care of folks, they shut those down and they put those people on the street. So either the families took care of them or the streets took care of them. And then when they ran into police, they ended up blocking them up and putting them in jail. So now they're in jail, mental problems. So the issue never really So here comes COVID, and we're not prepared for that, along with what's going on. And then fentanyl just, where did this thing come from? Where you are a first responder, and you're out there checking on somebody, and for whatever reason, you, you might even have gloves on. And some of this stuff gets in an opening, and you're dead because you're trying to help them. And you know, it's, it just, it, I just think it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy because we cast those folks aside, then COVID comes and we go, and then everything's focused on COVID. And then don't get me wrong, it's serious. It's killed over half a million people in America, but those other problems didn't go away. They were still there and we still got to deal with them. We just got to deal with them in a different manner. And then what's going to happen? Now we're vaccinating now, yes, okay. We're, 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 we're doing better now. But what happens when we get back to what's called normal? Hopefully we never get back to that. Hopefully yeah. we never get back to that. We never yeah, be able to get to a point where it, they want to say, let's go back to normal. Because where we were was so unnormal, so inhumane, that the only thing we don't want to do is go back. And that's the problem. Most people don't want to go forward because they're used to seeing what they like back there and we're familiar with it, so we know. But Brother Stephen, you're asking a question that is, is, is really planking the world right now because the problem is we all can see where the problem is. Mm -hmm. And you're right because the question really is what do we need to do to start? And the first question, the first answer, or to me, 
another shameless plug. I mean, I guess it must be that mean this it must be on and popping. Because the idea, listen, y'all, I'm telling you, because the first thing that needs to happen is we all have to have real honest conversations with ourselves. Because you have to understand, you might not have done anything in the in the the drug part of it, but there's somebody associated with you that is. That's the person. You want to have a real genuine conversation with that person. Because like Tanya said, the only person that can really help that addict is the person that's yeah, been yeah. through it. So because we need to help the addicts and we haven't really been through it, we need to now give the platform to the addicts to let them know that it's okay for you to talk to me because I need to know where you are because I need to know what makes you go there that you need to have that fix. So then when we start to see what it is, because we might be the triggers. Mm. We might be the trigger. A person that's trying not to do something all day, like, you know, and I'll take a cigarette because people like to say drugs and then, you know, they make it dirty. But an addiction is an addiction. The same way somebody is trying to get fentanyl, somebody is trying to go spend money on their credit card. Like it's all an addiction, you know, but if you look at it the way that you want to look at it, think of the cigarette. I haven't smoked a cigarette in three days. Somebody come by and, and cut you off or do something, whatever, whatever, whatever. The only thing you know how to do, besides do any of the other things that you need to want to do, is just go grab a cigarette. Somebody might be smoking it. You might smell it. You say, mm, let me get that. That fast, your whole entire flight of whatever you're working on is over. So then you have to ask yourself, am I the person that cut the person off? So so the issue then, and this, this might be the solution... Uh, part of the solution. Uh, all right, we got a uh, ah delegate from Washington. Marquise Washington is in the house, people. Give it up. Uh, so so I think that was perfect. That was perfect. All right, so so this is this is the thing. I think um, what we have to look at is uh, the lowest common denominator. All right, we look at who are the most needy that are in the lowest state in our city, and begin there. Put all of our focus, it's kind of like the debt roll down, or the debt snowball. Put all of our focus in the areas where the people have the greatest need. We got homelessness. We got uh, people who are um, who are hungry, people who have uh, elderly people who are lonely and don't have anyone helping them. We have people who are not handicapped or handicapable. They need assistance. We look at the areas where the people are the weakest and the most vulnerable. And then we put all of our focus and our energy in helping them to get strong and help them become a contributing part of society and be solid. Then we go to the next phase and then the next phase. And if we hit every level, we make sure that everyone is strengthened. The whole city gets strengthened. Anyone that elects a mayor that is not saying what I'm saying, that person should not be elected. How are you going to try to govern the people that you don't even care about the least vulnerable, the people who are hurting the most, you know, and they're going around to all these parties, shaking hands and getting donations and talking about how I'm going to help your business grow and help their economy mm -hmm. grow. Come, who cares about that when the people are dying in the streets? The homeless people are mentally ill. They need medicine. You know, those are, am I, am I about to run for a candidacy? I feel it. Uh, uh, no, I feel it. I feel it. It doesn't sound like the people's Governor, I'm right with you. It felt like a calling for a second. Yeah, brother. I have one more comment. 
when you were oh, speaking, it couldn't make that. It couldn't make that finish. What I'm saying. My bad. No, I'm joking. Go ahead, Jerome. You got it. <laughs> you got it, brother. Now, as you were saying that, you reminded me, and, and and I know I'm a little older than some of you on the call. There used to be a artist back in the day when I was growing up, and and Marquise might remember him. I know Kevin may as well. His name was Gil Scott Heron. Okay. And he put out a song that you reminded me of, Stephen, when you were talking about, because we've got to step outside of ourselves to help the less fortunate. And the title of the song was called Billy Green is Dead. Mm. And it goes like this. The economy's in an uproar. The whole damn country's in the red. Taxi fares are going up. You say Billy Green is dead? Well, the government can't decide on busing. Well, at least that's what they said. Yeah, I heard you when you said, told me. You said Billy Green was dead. But let me tell you about these hot pants that this big leg sister wore when I partied with the alphas. What? Billy took an overdose? Well, now junkies will be junkies. But do you see gun smoke last night? Man, they had themselves a shootout. Folks was down left and right. Now, at the end when Matt was cornered, I had damn near give up hope. Why you keep interrupting me? You say my son is taking dope. Call a law, call a doctor. What you mean I shouldn't scream? My only son is taking dope. Why should I sit here like I'm pleased? Is that for me, anybody? Check out what's inside your head. It never seems to matter when it's Billy Green who's dead. You know what that sounds mm, like? Right. Let's go, people. That's, Give that's, it up for Jerome Rome. That sounds like we need to play Curtis Mayfield, Freddie's Dead, on the next track. I'm <laughs> just on, saying. Come on now. Wow. Nice Freddie's Dead. That was good. As you can see, Jerome got that gift of poetry right there. I mean, he flew. He flew. He, he did good right like through the whole it. thing. Good job. You had me going. I was. I was steady listening. I wanted you to keep going. That was. That was really good. All right, guys. I thought so he was, was going to break out into the actual. You know, I was waiting. I thought he was going to give us a dramatic effect of it, but no, he didn't do Next it. But time. poetry was good Next though. That time. was great. So now we we see it in terms of a strategy and a plan. We want to make sure that we have that in place. Congress, I want you guys to know that they're looking to us. The middle class is looking to the People's Congress to point the way. Does anybody else have anything to say on the matter? Let's go to Maxine. I like the fact that you said start with your lowest common denominator because a true leader he has a vision and the vision should always be top down and bottom up. Yes. And that way you meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. Therefore, no one is ever left out. And everybody understands the role that they play and they can internalize on what they need to be doing in order to contribute to society. Yeah, yeah. And so starting with that lowest common denominator, when you said everybody focus on that lowest common denominator, is bring them in so they can have an opinion they can have an input so they'll understand their contribution to the vision. Yeah. If everybody pull in and start focusing on that lowest common denominator, but that lowest common denominator does not understand why, and nor do they understand the contribution that they're going to make and their involvement in it, and they truly belong 
Mm. Belonging is a beautiful word that a lot of people don't feel today. And that's why we're going through what we're going through in this isolation with COVID is because mm. people who felt like they didn't belong and mm. now they're isolated. But those homeless people are still feeling the same. Those drug addicts are still feeling the same. Anyone who has an addiction is still feeling the same. I love what uh, misunderstood Adrian said. She said, it does not matter what the addiction is. It's still an addiction. We have food. You know, we want to buy, 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 although we don't have the money. So that lowest common denominator is not always a homeless person. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Right. So we have to look at it going from top down driven and bottom up at the same time. So we meet in the middle. Then we have a win win for everybody. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. Tanya, what you got? Um, I just wanted to um, thank Miss Telly for, you know, bringing that news article um, to us this evening. Um, yeah. It really took me somewhere um, with that. Um, and it reminded me of some things um, and putting some stuff in. Remind me of some things and some things that I need to do um, personally in that area. Um, working with people, because uh, I am a peer recovery coach, which means I've been there um, 16 years. So I have 16 years under my belt so I can right. share, share with someone else, you know, how to, you know, work, go through it, get through it. And because mm -hmm. um, those times do come because when like you really have those mind games, like especially when the. Um, COVID-19 came. And even though I have 16 years, it still came up, especially when stuff started going on with my husband and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then the mental health, like everything plays a part, but you got to be able to have, you know, who to reach out to, be, you know, have those resources and people and know who the people are and how to know yourself and the triggers and all those things. So you can continue to stay sober. But if you don't have the right network, the right connection, the right people, you don't know your triggers, you don't know this, you don't know that, it's easily to, to slip back into um, what you were doing before. So That's good. That's good. All right, middle class, we are trying to give you the answers that you need. We are the People's Congress, if you're just tuning in. And we do have our delegates giving great answers tonight to help you and your family fight through what is happening to the middle class. Our goal is not to leave the middle class on our own. Our goal is to have the whole middle class exit together and no one will be left behind. You, If you're hurting, you will not hurt alone. Maxine, what do you got? You know, you ask a question, what can we do as a solution? <clears throat> I Here I am, a life coach and a career coach. Mm -hmm. And probably about four or five months ago, I was asked to start contributing and doing some workshops for recovery individuals. Mm -hmm. I never knew how, I'd always known the importance of it, but I think misunderstood Adrian or maybe Telly said it, that you might not be the one to have gone through it, but you could have had a family member or a close someone that you love that have gone through it. Mm -hmm. And having had that experience, I was able to reach back into that part of my life in order to help these individuals. Now, I'm talking about from a career perspective. I'm talking about resumes and interviewing, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to meet them where they are. And when you meet them where they are and that light bulb turns on and you can see that twinkle in their eye and you can see it in their voice and in their mannerism and their confidence level started increasing, 
you know, when they thought they had no hope and you help them to understand, here are the skills that you have. And now this is how we can repurpose it and you can start using it. And now they're thinking about, I'm going to be the entrepreneur that I want to be. I can do the sales that I thought I want to be. I can be the cook and the chef that I want to be. So all of that, so that's the kind of stuff. We want a solution. Those are the kind of things that we can do. We can be a mentor. We can be a coach. We can go right along the side of them and we can be a part of their journey as they're walking through it. We mm. never know what side we'll end up on one day. That's right. That's good. That's good. All right, Maxine. Oh, goodness, she's Maxine. in the center square, and there's a reason why she's in the middle because yeah. she's in the middle class exit, and she's trying to help you guys exit. Now, look what she said. I hope you guys caught what she said. Everybody can help and be a part of the solution. Now, that means that in your community, if there's homeless people, you need to figure out who in your community should be responsible. And if nobody's stepping up, that person is you. So you got to start pulling churches and nonprofit organizations and businesses and like, look, let's come up with a solution to get married. Mary's always walking past. We're always saying, hi. we know she's homeless. Look, you got a warehouse. Anybody living in your warehouse? Why don't we give her a space? Let's cut it out. Let's build it. Let's get a building. Give her an apartment in there. You know, zone is already zoned for apartment. You know, the whole, you can look through it and say, there's a way to fix this, but we have to do it together. And the other thing you got to realize is that the people who are homeless, a lot of them are homeless, not by choice. Right. They are really trying to come up. And the homelessness is not the only issue. But what we want to do is we want to look at all the issues and figure out what are the solutions in your community. And we have to do it together. And, and the only way that's going to work is if we start communicating. And instead of looking at people and talking about people, oh, man, they always stand on the corner asking for money. Well, you know what? Why don't you go ask them do they need a job? If you got a company, why don't you put them to work? Well, they don't got no clothes. Well, you know what? There's plenty of places churches got clothes. Go to a church. They can give you clothes. You know what I'm saying? So there's um, answers for the problem. Great, Adrian. I, I, that was a good moment. I don't want to mess the moment up, but I want to really yeah. talk to the people that we do see every day. Yeah. You do know that it is all right because it is your responsibility to not give somebody money every day. It is your responsibility to speak life into that person that you are giving that money to. It's your responsibility. Remember, John said money. What is a silver and gold I might not have? You you better give them something. Stop right, giving so them. Stop giving them change. All right, so that comes down. I will to tell you in a heartbeat. But it. But you, I will tell you, as crazy as it may sound, the man that opens the door for me, he only opens the door for me maybe once or twice. After that, the conversation that we have had. It makes him get up before I even get out of my car and go and do something different because he now knows that I, I does, I want more from you. I work hard for the money. I don't have a problem giving it to you, but I'd be damned if you're going to be sitting on the ground and you think this because I walked up or you're supposed to be getting my money. No, bro. And we have the right to say these things to people. Sometimes people feel some type of way. And another thing. Sometimes you got to ask somebody else about being homeless. You know, I, love, I know a lot of people that's homeless, but they're not really homeless. They're defiant. Or they decide that they just want to do what they want to do in somebody else's house, and that person ain't going for it. You're not homeless. You have another problem. And sometimes it takes another person to speak some stuff into somebody. And I'm only saying this because I speak to people. And when they start to talking about what well, I got, I can't be in the house at certain time. No, 
no fool, you sound stupid right now. You got a house. You just need to follow the order. You, right. you don't have to be on this street. I need to make this statement right now. I need to make this statement right now. So uh, when I run for president, I am going to make Adrian my vice president because she's going to get things done. Do you hear me? She is not playing with y'all middle class. Y'all better stop getting her all, all upset like this. She's going to tell you to your face, no, you ain't getting no money. You better go get a job. Get out of here. You ain't getting no money. And look, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We don't want to. Those who want help, we need to help. Those who don't want help, they need a whole different, there's a whole different situation with them. You're right. But we do need to focus on the positive and start looking at how do we help those who need help. And the worst thing that you can see is a mother homeless with her children. Yes. Right. So that's the kind of thing that if you see that, you have to do something middle class. You Because what if that was you? And then look, I'm a moment of transparency. Moment of transparency. There was a time where I lost my job. My wife, my wife lost her job. We had the American dream. We had that beautiful house, the two kids, and the dog. All right. We had the American dream. We both lost our jobs. We lost our house to foreclosure. We lost both both of our cars. And we were basically homeless. I was trying to figure out where we was gonna get food every day for my family as we were going through foreclosure. So just because a person looks okay doesn't mean they are. And just because it looks like they have a house doesn't mean that that house is theirs. You know what I'm saying? You got to ask people what's going on with you and check on your neighbor and figure things out. But don't leave people out in the cold. Do you know how humiliating it was for me to have to think every day, where am I going to get dinner for my family? And when you've already gone to all the places you've already gone to and you got to stand in line and you know that your neighbors are throwing out more food than you can eat. You know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of stuff that as a middle class, we have to be more observant and more caring and communicate more so we can know who's in need. And if somebody's in need, for example, let's just say this. Somebody's in need, like go to Adrian's point. She got kicked out of her house because of her attitude. Well, you know what? There's a person in her family that she could go to and they would straighten her out. And they'll do it in love, not just abuse, but in love. And she'll listen to them and maybe she'll see it a different way. Don't give up on our family members. You know what I'm saying? We got to reach out and we got to help each other out. Look, Marquise is back in the house, and so we want to celebrate Marquise. We're glad to see that he's back and uh, within the group. All right. So, but but before I go to Marquise, I want to go. I want to go ahead and jump to Vicky and let Vicky share her next story. You're on mute. There All right. you go. Good. Okay. And actually, you know, Marquise, the story is actually in honor of you. And so, oh. you know, I, I saw the story <laughs> and, and we I talked, thought about our, our, you know, conversation last night. And I can't even believe that this popped up in my email today. Um, but the story that I've got today from Wired, they hacked McDonald's ice cream machines and started a cold war. And so, as you know, there is a huge issue with McDonald's not having ice cream, you know, it being out of order, just like Marquise was saying last night. I've had that happen. I'm a huge fan of strawberry milkshakes. I cannot even tell you how many times I've gone up to McDonald's and have not been able to have my strawberry milkshake. And I'm like, why do I, I don't even, I don't even want to order because I can't have my strawberry milkshake. Right. So I will let you know though, that because this has been such a huge issue um, and the reason why one of the interesting things is that the O'Sullivan, um, uh, Jeremy O'Sullivan, who who sells these machines to McDonald's, it costs eighteen thousand dollars per machine. But honestly, it is it's it's got so many codes and just weird kind of secretive 
um, you know, language um, and 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 kind of categories that it's really, really hard for people to kind of figure out what to do. And so there were these two individuals, I'm going to do a shout out um, to millennials, the two individuals um, who about two years ago made a machine that like decodes and like hacks this this $18,000 ice cream machine and basically says, hey, I know you've got all these impossible codes that you've got to do to fix this machine, but we're going to go ahead and get it done. It, it kind of it um, it kind of uh, interprets everything and, and allows you to fix the machine. Right. So I'm just saying solution is, is coming in a big way. All right. All right. And look, if, if you if you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go back to last episode. <laughs> Uh, probably the best show we have done up to this point. Uh, so please uh, give us thumbs up. Give us five stars. Let us know that you love everything that we're doing. And last show was really about Marquise. He ended it on a high note talking about uh, McDonald's ice cream and how the machines were broke. But that's a great story, and it's timely. So right on. that's right on point. How do you guys feel about that? You believe that the, the, the machines are actually going to get fixed? Are we, are we finally going to get ice cream when we want it? Well, you know what's exciting about this uh, story, Vicky, is the fact that when you have uh, situations like that, innovation, ooh, I love it, innovation comes out. You got folks that have ideas that I can do that a little bit better, faster, and cheaper. And guess what? Marquise and Vicky going to get some ice cream today. That's so what's up. That Marquise, what, Marquise, what is your thoughts? I want to hear from Marquise. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, Vicky, good looking out. <laughs> That's my girl right there. Appreciate you. I I really I, I appreciate that. That that warms my heart. That almost brought a tear to my eye. You almost had me. You almost had to do one of these numbers. <laughs> that gives me hope. It it does. You know. But but I'll I'll tell you what. To sound like the old fart in the group. Back in my day, all they had to do was pull a handle down, and you got ice cream. I don't yep. know why stuff breaking down now when all we had was a handle. Just high, you get a car and you're eating. I don't yep. understand what the deal is with. I mean, you you said codes. The codes? We're talking ice cream. We ain't talking nothing complicated. We're talking soft serve. <laughs> I don't know how they jacking up soft serve. What is in the ice cream that somebody need code to hide the ice cream? That's why we, Vicky. You and me, we probably need to go ahead and go in business. Let's do it. We're all about that. And make our own ice cream. Let's Absolutely. go. We're about that. Let's make some money together. Hey, let's go in. You got investors uh, right here that might even help you guys do that. What are we going to do about the employees that just don't really want to wash the machine? And they know now that they don't even be on Mexico. So now right. they didn't even know because we don't right. know and we're going to really be ready to fight that. somebody. Don't you? Because I'll be mad as already. Well, you know, maybe we do it this way. You know, they say that snitches get stitches. Maybe <laughs> we do it this way. At McDonald's, if you snitch on somebody, how about you get a raise? Let's, <laughs> let's get them employees out of the company and get some real people who, when you walk up, they don't say, what you want? How are you going to say what you want when you behind the cash register? I'm a, I'm a customer. How are you going to ask me what I want? I want you to have a better attitude. Where's your customer service? You know what I want? I want your manager. Go get your manager, please. Because you know what? When you're paying for food. I went to McDonald's yesterday and the manager stared at me. And I was staring at the manager. And I, I was thinking, well, I know you got on a solid shirt, so you are the manager. I said, so what am I supposed to do? He looked at me and said, 
You got to put your thing in the in the thing. I said, I got to put my thing in the what? He said, you got to put your thing in the thing. And he's and he start pointing at the thing. And I'm like, the what? I said, yo, bro, I don't want to put my thing in the thing. I don't work here. I want to talk to you. So you can put my thing in the thing. <laughs> this is the manager at the McDonald's. And I must have pulled up in a McDonald's because of you. I don't know, Marquis. Uh, maybe. But he definitely said, you got to put your thing in the thing. Now, I'll, I'll tell you like this. Here... Here in Indianapolis, we have a a car wash. I'm not going to give them any names, but they have their employees crossing the T's and dotting the I's. They're all about perception. Uh, All of the employees wear a tie. This is a car wash. Hey, Marquis. Yes. This this is the People's Congress, and we give props where props is due. What's that company? Give them a free plug. Let's get it. It it used to be called Mike's Car Wash, Mm -hmm. but um it later became crew car wash all right give it up to crew they're doing it right but go ahead and and right. and when you see them and you see them it, every car wash is exactly the, the mannerisms i'll say like that the gestures they have signs pull forward stop and before you go in they will wave at you and they will speak mm. to you when you roll up in there hey how you doing what do you need dot 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 and i mean every car wash is like that so the company has created the image and and they are very tight with the expectation of the image that protects the company. So the, so they're protecting their brand, right? That's what that's about. Exactly. That's exactly. And, and when good. people go to that car wash, they have an expectation. And every time that I've been there, I got unlimited. Every time they talk to you, I mean it's I mean they rushing, but they every time never fails because that's what's expected of them and they don't know who's coming in that door and and I'm sure when some people slack off they hit the right one they will get reported on yeah 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 and, that's good and as a company you do not want anybody misrepresenting your your brand you know you may be thinking something you know when you have a company like that that's that that has stellar employees that has a system in place that uh, and a business model in place that really makes the customer feel appreciated. They're giving quality service to the point where we're even now talking about them uh, on national and international. Uh, Mexit is going out across our network. You know, it, it, it speaks loud to what companies in America should be about. And I think as the middle class, we have the power. We have the buying power. We have the influence. So when you hear about companies that are doing good, why don't we shift our behavior patterns and only support companies that support us? Why don't we shift our dollars to those companies that are doing good in the community and say, look, we're not shopping at that grocery store. No, we're not going to that bank. No, we're not going to that car wash. No, we're not going to that McDonald's. The employees is tripping. And when their revenue starts dropping, their attitude will change. And that's where our power is at, people. We got to stop taking subpar uh, for our dollar. You, your dollar, you worked hard for it. You shouldn't just give it away. Tanya, what you got? All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, let's let's go to misunderstood. Wait, I was going to say that's like what Kevin said in the beginning when we first started this thing off about the middle class and how important we are. We are so important, and the things that we tolerate are the things that we have to deal with. The things that we stop tolerating, we will watch them eventually change. We have to believe that, and we have to stand together in that. And it's not going to happen overnight. And we have to know that. Mm-hmm. However, just by what we've talked about this whole hour, 
has been so, so, so in the building. It's been a, it's been a part of the building. Yeah. Of, you know, not the demo, not the knocking it down, but this has been a up. part of the building. And, and it's important because your foundational structure is so important. But when you're talking about going into an establishment, and having the the familiarity or you know catching that brand from the door it makes you feel like home it it there's a there's a reason why you want to spend your money there there's a yeah. reason why you want to do what you do um well, you, IMA industry that's what we do that's why we go there to show you how to make your place look like that so something is smiling in your building you know your employees from your bottom like you know you can't have a neck that is a real strong neck if you well you can't have a big head with a weak neck I can put it that way you know and you don't go far as your body if your knees and your and your ankles don't work so you got to keep everything apart of your body together so that it look well in in the place. I mean, now, I'm just saying. I, I believe you. I believe you with that big head and a weak neck. <laughs> I'm just I mean, saying. You heard it from Adrian. You heard it from Adrian. She said, "Put some baby oil on those knees. Don't become cut out ashy." We want to see. We want to see people represent properly in the community. All right. Let's not put some on your elbows. All right. Do something with your forehead. Go ahead, uh, Maxine. You know, it brings me to start thinking about you go to McDonald's and I love what you said. You have to have the expectations, not only to receive service, but to ensure that you're you getting that service. So as an employee, if you do poorly at the job that which you're working, they're going to reprimand you. So why should we go to a an establishment and allow employees to be that way or even allow the organization to present itself that way? I love what you said. We are in control. We have the power as middle class. We can either support or go there or not go there. Right. And so when you start making those decisions, then they will start changing their vision and mission. So let's look at those vision and mission statements and not just look at them as there are words on a piece of paper. Are they truly, you know, living that mission and vision that they have on their website stating that they are customer service or customer friendly or customer focused and you find out that they truly are not. That's right. That's right. Look, That's middle class, we want it's all about us raising up the middle class's mindset so that you guys can see what's happening in the world. Yeah. So that you can begin changing the things that you can change with your dollars, with your voice, and with your actions. Kevin, we're going to hey, come to Brother, what you got? Yeah, real quick. That's when uh, Maxine just triggered something in me. You know, we were talking about the social media earlier. So, so now we can use the social media for the power of putting in those comments. There we go. That's right. The power of social media. So, Kevin, where is the middle class with their income versus debt? Oh, Stephen and everybody, we got to talk about this because y'all talked about the money. We have the money. I want to know how much money we got or supposed to have. So let's talk about that a little bit. So I'm going to talk to you guys and, and uh, I'm going to give you both sides. Where is the middle class versus income and debt? So y'all get ready because we're going to talk about it a little bit here. Middle class is defined here in the U.S. as those adults with a net wealth. They call it wealth. Interesting. Wealth between 50000 and 500,000. Very good. Purchasing power. Yeah. 550,000 
to 500,000. I didn't know that was up to 500,000. That's what I'm talking about. They declare yeah. with the middle class so much. Like, how are you going to put us in a category and say from 50,000 to 500,000? I and know. Then what kind of world are we looking at? Like this. That's why we got to pay attention, Adrian. We got to pay attention. So the purchasing power parity is used to adjust these numbers, even in other countries. We even got influence in other countries, guys. Wow, that's pretty cool. Wow. Hey, second part of that, I don't know, uh, Stephen. I don't know if you want to stop there or just read the other part. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll read the debt side here real quick, guys. Now the middle class has more non-mortgage debt than the upper classes. Wow, the survey found. About 62% of the middle class has credit card debt. Oh, no. Compared roughly with roughly half of the affluent. The middle class also has more student loan debt. I think we already knew that, right? Nearly half uh, have student loans compared with 39% of the affluent. So our money goes right, right out the door, guys. All right. So let's talk about that because that's pretty loaded. Kevin, you might want to grab that sheet of paper again because I, I yeah. see some indicators in this thing for the middle class. Yeah. You said that the middle class has uh, less mortgage debts. Right. Now, that sounds like a great thing. And I was like, but there's something wrong with that statement. What does that right. mean? That means they don't have That's houses. Right. right. They don't That's have houses, but they got cars and everything else. They got shoes and handbags. Apartments. And stuff, but no house. Right. So there's something wrong with they that. Vicky, did you have in a house like that. Vicky, Vicky, did you have something on that? I mean, I'm, I'm still shaking my head. I just, I can't believe that little old me here at the $50,000 limit mark. I can't believe I'm in the same category as somebody that's, that's in that 500, that that's, that's a whole extra, that's a whole extra zero there. Okay. That's a whole extra zero. Okay. <laughs> you thought a zero wasn't worth nothing. It's, you put it on the end of it. It's worth a whole, a whole lot, let me tell you. So that's, I, yeah, I, I'm still wrapping my mind around that. But, but Kevin, thank you so much for sharing this information. This is good to, good to know. Good to know. So middle class, if you're making $500,000, the People's <laughs> Congress wants to talk to you. You are in the middle class. You need to be coming to see us. We we got some things we need to do, and you need you're a part of the solution. You're not a part of the problem, and we appreciate you. If nobody told you today, the People's Congress appreciates you. All right, we need you to reach on down to the fifty thousand group. All right, we need to we're okay. all the, we're all part of the same class now. We're all part of the same I class. So we're literally in the same boat. We're literally in the same boat, and you know what? If they treat the 50,000 household a certain way, they're treating you the same way too, all right? So just because you got that extra zero, don't be uppity because they're coming for your throat too. So we need to get together from, if your household, all right, hear me, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making this statement right now. Please make it plain, make <laughs> if, it plain. If you make between 50,000 and the 500,000, you are a part of the People's Congress. You're, you're Right now you're in, you're in automatically. Everyone in your household count. We're going to do a census. Count up the people in your household. Let us know where you at. You are in the People's Congress. Now we want y'all to give a donation to the People's Congress. No, I'm joking. But we want y'all to come together and know we got numbers. We want to hear from y'all. We're not playing. We're not playing. We need to hear from the top to the bottom. Like Maxine said, from the bottom to the top. We want to hear y'all. And we got to get active together. And you got to get into ATS. You look at Kevin Point and Max. You got to get into ATS. Why? Because we are helping people get educated so they can be empowered, 
so they can then go through what they need to do in their family to change their future. Why? Because it is the message. It is the middle class action, and that's what we're trying to do. All right, so look, this is what we're going to do. We're a little bit past the halfway point, but you guys who have websites, make sure you put them up. Go ahead and put them up so the people know how to support you and everything that you're doing. And uh, and I want you guys to uh, – Maxine, did you have something? I want to say one thing. Go ahead. And I'm such an out-of-the-box thinker. All right. We always allow society to dictate on what things need, how things need to be labeled. Who's to say we're middle class between a 50K and a 500K? Who determined that terminology? Who determined that definition that that is middle class? And don't why be labeling we, us. That's right. We don't have to accept that definition. You know, so we need to be coming up with our own term. Come on. All right. Our own classification. And we need to be the one to tell in society who we are and not oh. dictate to who we are. Snaps so. and claps. Let's get it <laughs> in. Come on. It's not like you're talking about the. I know who that sounds like. That sounds like the people that make National Day. This is National Hot Dog Day. Oh, it is today. Maxine, okay. you're going to be Secretary of State. Secretary of State, Maxine Phillips. All right. Somebody said two snaps. Hey, look, we're gonna take a chance. Look, we're gonna take it. I'm feeling I'm feeling like we're gonna take a chance. We're gonna go ahead and throw it to our man man, our main man, Marquise. Marquise, what you got for us? Ooh. Hey. Oh, you, you, you know what? You know what? Listen, I am trying to learn about this Bitcoin uh cryptocurrency. All right. And and so I'm one of these guys, I, I'm a baby stepper. And the first thing that I that I do is I try to learn proper enunciation. All right. And part of that is because when I when I was a young kid, I used to stutter. A I lot. remember that. I knew you, you remember that. Yeah. Holy smokes. And I asked Marquise. No, I ain't gonna say it. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I like to hear that story. No, no, no. But but no. We I love mean, our people. We love all of our people. <laughs> but but as somebody who had that that speech impediment, I had to learn words and so i used to this is what i did when i was a young kid i used to sleep on a dictionary and a thesaurus in hopes that i would absorb the information oh wow like a plant like photosynthesis somebody told you that somebody That's told you no number right there That's no nobody point. told me that i was just well mm -hmm. let me, if it works for plants maybe it'll work for me you know, <laughs> we, always, we always knew you were special in the neighborhood anyway, Marquise. I just didn't know how special. So, so I, I say all that because hey, I had a question, though. I had a question. I used to wonder why you had Webster on your forehead every morning. Now I know why. Now you know why. Because you was now laying you, on like that and just now you know why. On you. Now you know why. But I I do things in baby steps, and one of the one of the questions that I had because we call this Dodge Coin. It's not Dodge Coin. Uh-oh, here we go. It's here we go. Dogecoin. Doge. Doge. And so now when somebody says Do you know Dodge what a Doge is? Do you know what a Doge is? Um, I looked it up. I can't remember it. You a know, Doge that's... is a dog. Doge is a breed. Doge is a breed of dog. Really? Look it up. Matter of fact, do you see the dog on the coin? Hmm, I think I did see the dog you, on you the coin. You Google it. There's a dog on the coin. It's I think called I did. A... It's called a doge or doji. 
Yep. Uh-oh, come on, People's Congress. We do yep. it all up in this joint. You're going to learn about <laughs> the animals, too. Mm. All right, go ahead. Let me let you finish, though, Marquise. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Well, well, because well, this is all about education, man. And I, like I said, I start from the bottom and go up. And okay. for me, the bottom was just, how do you pronounce it? And and now that I know when somebody's talking about Doge, because I had never heard it before, I'd never heard that pronounced like that before. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was walking down the street talking about Dogecoin, I wouldn't know what they were talking about. Now I under I know I, I, I have the ear to hear it and know what they're talking about. Maybe I don't have the rest of the information. I gotta go through the coursework. But um, but that's how I begin my education by first learning the the language. The proper pronunciation the proper for the things that you're trying, to, trying to learn. Okay, I got you. I feel you on that. All right, yeah. so let's weigh in on the matter, people. What do y'all think? Matter of fact, uh, Marquise, that is so important about really getting that right because, you know, you got some folks who sell you stuff. You don't even know if it's right or wrong, man. You get the wrong stuff and you just pay full price for the right stuff. It's amazing. Well, you know what? Let me tell you all something. We got to we got to educate ourselves and we got to show people we know what we're talking about. That's what we do here on the People's Congress. If you see me looking down, that's because I'm looking at my phone. You know why? Because, bam, let me hold it up for you. What is that? That's a doge. That's the dog I was telling you about. Right wow. there. Boom. So what's a doge right. cat? Huh? What's doge cat? Or is that a person? I Girl, think that's a rapper. a rapper. Oh, oh it's a rapper? I only know I because do, of my I name. No doge cat. I've heard that before. Okay, Liz. Yeah, that, we're going to edit that out the show. So we, we ain't giving no, none of them no plugs. We ain't doing that. We oh, need to raise yeah, up the little and we don't even know who they are, what they're doing. All right, so we're gonna hold them comments to myself. All right, uh, let's see. We're gonna go to uh, Tanya. Tanya, do you got a story for us? Yes, um, I do. Uh, my story tonight um, is in reference to this gentleman by the name of James A. Samuel, who has made this app where it will turn your phone into a body camera. And what inspired him to do this? He is a black man. He is a vet. And um, he, just watching all of the people being pulled over, you know, by the police and all the things that have been going on, um, the verdict of the George, uh, the George case um, just yesterday, you know, Mm -hmm. that inspired him to, uh, you know, to make this app and how you hook it up is that you download the app. It's called Angel. Um, You can link it to like, if you're married, you can link it to your wife or husband and whoever's the closest to you. So if you was to get pulled over, you just have to activate it and automatically it'll be sent to their phone where they can see what's going on. Also the GPS of where you're at, um, exact location, if they need to come there, you know, alert who they need to alert. Um, just to make sure that you remain safe or remain alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we've gotten to that point where, you know, it is needed because, like I said, it's not just George. There's been other a whole line of other people that have lost their lives um, from, you know, the different things that are going on. And a lot of times we don't want to talk about it. We try to cover it up, put it under the rug. But, you know, it's happening too often now. Um, and... You know, used to be able to believe everything, you know, 
what the police say and all that. But as you can see, you have to have some type of stuff for yourself because you just never know. Um, you just never know. You want to make sure that your loved ones come home alive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Marquise, what do you think about that? I think it's uh, it's it's definitely necessary that you all um, at least have a measure of protection. And that protection is having a cam on your person, uh, because, you know, when you go to pull out a cell phone, guess what? You didn't just got yeah, shot right. <laughs> because of misidentification of what you had. Whereas if you're wearing it, it is what it is. But the other thing, too, that I that I posted in the chat was. Um, the cell phones, you can, I mean, a lot of us have multiple of these, right? There's a way that you can actually make these in the dashboard cameras as well. So when you got these old cell phones, keep them around. You don't have to buy a dash cam. Just uh, get the tech into the old phone, put it on your dashboard and use it as a dash cam as well. So the tech is out there for your protection, but you just have to know what you're what you're able to do with that technology to to be used to your advantage. All right. Good point. Good point. It, you actually made me think back to one of our past shows where we talked about when a police officer pulls you over, what do you do so that you're safe? And the point that we brought out, if you didn't see that show, I'm going to go ahead and give you that nugget now, is the first thing you do is you call the police. Dial 911. You call the police and you let them know, you let the dispatcher know, I got pulled over. I don't feel safe. I need you to stay on the line. When the officer comes up to the car, you say, officer, what is your name and badge number? You repeat it into your phone and you let them know, ma'am, I need you or sir, I need you to stay on the line until I finish with this officer. I do not feel safe. That officer has now been put on notice and that dispatcher has it on record that you're talking to them because you don't feel safe because of that officer. So anything that officer says to you is definitely going to be recorded and they'll be reviewed if something happens to you. That's what you got to do to be safe. And you need to teach your kids that technique because you put your phone when you once you once you dial, you put that phone right on your dashboard. You put your hands on your steering wheel so they can see both your hands when they come up. And you let the officer know uh, the dispatch is on the line and this is being recorded. I tell you, the officers will shut down all that craziness. They know you ain't joking and you'll be empowered and you'll be safe. All right, guys. That's a blessing. Every time I hear you say that, that's a blessing because. I just have this thing about speaking so much. And I know it gets touchy when, you know, when people talk about just the actual, the, I just think there's a respect factor that we've, that we've lost for everybody. Like it's not even a matter of authority. I just think it's a respect factor in the way that we respond to people in general that is is so major now that in my mind I'm hearing you say that but I'm seeing that I'm seeing the the situation unfold yeah I'm seeing that I'm driving or I'm seeing not me because me I'm just I you can't put me in the situation because y'all wouldn't do what I did y'all would want to do what I do when the cops pull me up I mean, you got gangster. You got, you, what'd you say you got on your license plate? God got goons on my license plate. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, they pull well, you up. They got to drop, drop the SWAT from helicopters to come get you. They're like, and, and, you know, and that's another thing. 
that's another thing. Sometimes, especially in Philly, they won't pull you over with one person. Like, so the same way that we are terrified of a police officer, police officers are also terrified of the people that they pulling over. So as as one-sided as we want to make this thing sound, the second that I'm scared and I'm in my uniform, you actually have a bigger problem on your hands because now everywhere I go, I'm scared. I believe that I'm under attack. So sometimes we have to watch what we say because now here you go. We're getting pulled over. Somebody's getting pulled over. The minute that the cop pulls your lights, you hitting your phone, you doing all whatever. Oh, yeah, right, right. Now you on the phone with 911. You're giving demands already to a place where people don't even like to be demanded. They believe that you need to be getting your information from them. So you're already giving them a demand, right? You're you're telling the lady, and I don't feel safe. This person ain't even came to your car yet, right? So now I guess you're not safe because of news stories and things that they've been put in front of you. So now you're not safe. Uh, okay, I hear you. But now you don't, the cop is coming over. Now, before the cop says anything to you, you don't, instead of license and registration, you say, officer, I'm on the phone with 911. I need your dad's number and your name. I mean, I hear you. It's well, Andrew, if you say it that <laughs> way, I mean, you, you, you automatically have an issue. That's not exactly how you should say but that. Brother Steven, this is why I said what you said. I heard what you said, but then I'm taking my middle class mindset and all my friends and family members that would have listened to you hearing this. That's what we heard you say. Uh-uh. Uh, 911, I do not feel safe. Uh yeah. Let me roll my way. Look at her. I need to state your name and your number and your bag ID because I got 911 on the phone. And I believe what? that we're gonna hear you get shot. I believe that we're going to hear your confrontation, and I believe that the police officer is going to say, okay, ma'am, but I need your license and registration. But I need your license and registration. So the second that we don't, because we are somewhere else on something else, now what? We are going to hear the confrontation on the phone, because you put it on your phone. We hopefully have a body cam, but, but, but we're going to start seeing these things overplayed and then when we start to see them we're going to have to have a better conversation we're going can to have I to change the narrative can i ask you a question sure all right this is the question that i have for you i'm all sorry right? i'll be feeling too lightweight about that stuff i've just felt it no 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 i got a question for you all right so we're going to take my idea and we're going to move it off the table can you give us an idea of how that situation should be handled You know, it takes it takes months and maybe years to build a building. It only takes like minutes to destroy it, right? Exactly. So, so when we have an idea, it, we can tear it all apart and then let it hit the ground. But we have to have something to put in its place. So yes. let's not tear it down. Let's 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 fix it. All right, let's fix it. How can people who do feel unsafe because of bias, because of the news, what do they do when they get pulled over? How do they, how are they, how do they get protected? They should get some ice cream. In my mind, I believe that get the ice cream from McDonald's first. Lord have mercy, Kevin. <laughs> but no, honestly, I believe that we all understand what's going on. 
And the more that we understand that we all understand what's going on and we start to treat everyone like we are all in something that's going on, you can be able that you're scared. Okay. And the cop I got is scared. It. You know what I, I mean? The it. cop is scared. We're all scared. It. So the tension is. I got, the answer. Is, I got the answer. Here we go. Here we go. Here we're going to de escalate. Okay. All right. So this and this is something that I was told. When you gotta have your license and registration. When they before they get up to the car, you gotta have that. When they come, yes. only crack your window down a little bit enough for you to pass your stuff through. Right? You yes. don't have to have your window all the way open. You don't. Just enough for you to pass stuff through. And just be cordial. Yes, sir. And answer with yes, ma'am. Be polite. If and look, but my point is to have your phone on your dashboard and have that thing with the 911 ready to be dialed. And if it starts to escalate, just hit the button. That's yeah, when because you're unsafe, you feel unsafe. And that's all I'm saying is that we, they are supposed to protect, they're, they're, they're public servants. They're supposed to protect the public. They're supposed to serve the public. And not all officers are bad. I mean, this probably out of 100 officers, mm -hmm. 99 of them are just awesome. They're doing a great job. They love their families. They love their communities. It's just that one in the bunch that gets the bad rap, gets the news, and makes everybody so mad at cops, which is unfair. It's completely unfair. But we still need to keep the middle class safe and we need to talk about ways to help keep the middle class safe in every environment, not just when you get pulled over by a cop. You know, in every situation, women, I mean, I've heard stories of women walking around stores and being followed by men because the men are trying to snatch them in the parking lot, right? So if you're alone and that's happening, you feel like you're being followed, you need to go to the store manager, you need to say, this man is following me or these men are looking at me and I feel uncomfortable, can you walk me to my car, right? So there's a lot of different situations and scenarios that are impacting the middle class that we have to educate them on their choices so that they can be empowered to do more. All right. So uh, Marquise has a public service announcement. Let's go, Brother Marquise. As you know, I, I live in the fringes and, and I pay attention. No. I pay attention to, to things that I guess average people won't necessarily pay attention to. But. With everything that's going on, we have to realize that we are energetically charged by our environment. So we have to guard against what we see. We have to guard against what we hear. And therefore, we have to guard against anything that we want to say because we can then damage somebody else. So with all of this negative charge happening around, the, uh, especially here in the United States, we have to be very mindful that we are not or we don't allow ourselves to get caught up subconsciously in that attitude because again if you pull if a cop pulls you over you, some people are automatically standoffish right and because of what's happening right now people are afraid and then other people are standoffish and then the cop who is only doing their job, they have to now be even more vigilant. And so everybody's amped up and nobody's done anything yet except for get pulled over. And so right. by the time you do have a a person to person conversation, you've already lost the humanity because of the overriding negative energy that is being brought out in into the atmosphere but but go on steve that's good so the key is that you got to know your rights you have to know your rights so what i want to do with this show i think in our show notes we need to have a link to the rights of a person if they're getting pulled over by a cop 
some instructions on your rights, the things that you should say, the things that you should do, and how you should do them. Because that way we empower the middle class to protect them in that scenario. So I think that, that would be a responsible thing to do. Thank you, Adrian, for making the point. You are correct. I think- uh, However, whatever the biggest thing is, I've always taken this, and this is something that I had to take growing up. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Like my mascot was a live-size man on a live-size horse wearing a sheet. They called him the galloping ghost. Oh, okay. You scared me for a second. All right. All right. I'm with you. I'm so serious. But this was my mascot. So this is how I grew up. So the things that we're dealing with right now in the world today is how it was instilled in me as a child. Now, a lot of people may say it was brainwashed, whatever the case, it was survival in my mom's world to teach us how to be raised. The one thing that we've always stood on is regardless of how it happens, you will always be able to talk about it tomorrow. What does that mean? You gonna live through it? Handle what it is. If they got a problem, whatever, you're getting pulled over, you're getting a ticket, whatever the case may be, however it's going down, let it go down, let it be done, and then report it in the morning. And okay. it will be handled. And it will get handled because then it has no choice. Because a police officer's job is to protect and to serve. And as long as we maintain that, you will always become that citizen. So if you make it through the night, you have every right to fight like the Dickens in the morning. Okay. And I know that that doesn't rest with a lot of people. No, no, no. You're talking about making it home. As a kid from my own protection. Hey, look, I used to hang out in the streets. What you're saying makes sense to me. You're talking about, look, make it home. Make it to the house and deal with that in the daylight. Not not at night. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. That's why I'm still alive. So I'm with you on that. You got you got to, as much as possible, try to stay alive every night. Don't be messing around with folk got guns, all right? So, uh, in respect, all forms of authority, um, because we, you know, we're the middle class. We want to be the right example. We want to set the right example. All right, for you guys who are watching this show and don't know what in the world we're talking about, we are the People's Congress, and uh, we have our representatives from all over the country uh, standing up and standing up for you, standing out and standing up for you, and giving information that you can use to help your family be empowered. All right, so we are going to go to Maxine for the next story. Hey, there we go. USDA issues pandemic flexibilities for schools and daycare facilities through June 2022 to support safe reopening and healthy, nutritious meals. All right. That's a good thing. I like that. Yes. Yes. So they're putting, as they say, the money where the mouth is. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture today issued a broad range of flexibilities to allow school meal programs and child care institutions across the country to return to serving healthy meals in the fall of 2021. Wait a minute, we're talking about school meals? That's right. Did they say healthy meals? Healthy. Oh, healthy. Come on now, let's feed the kids good food. I'm, I'm yeah. down with that. I was going to say something healthy. else, but yeah, let's yeah. go. Okay. So they're talking about, you know, of course, fruits and vegetables, you know, they're making sure that they add that to the menu. Oh, and, and, and they want to ensure that it's for all children, not just some children. 
Oh, good. That's awesome. You know, there's some yeah. kids that that's the only meal they get in a day. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm down with that. So they're talking about whole grains. They're talking about sens sensible calorie levels. Okay. Uh, you know, but, you know, I think about that when it comes to uh, nutrition and things like that. And what sometimes we have to take into consideration those fruits and vegetables and uh, the whole grains and sensible calories. Because if we feed them all this sugar and all these carbs and we expect that child to sit still and learn, it's not going to happen. They're going to go up and they, crash. They, they crash. It's up, right, and then they crash. But if we give them those healthy meals and their bodies can handle it, then we're what? We're, they're cognitive. They're awake. They're in tune with what's going on. So I love the fact that they're finally putting some, so I would say, some emphasis on healthy meals and not all these sugary, fast food type meals for the students. That's so I good. thought that was pretty good because they're, they're preparing for the kids to go back to school. The schools are opening. So why not start concentrating on the meals in which they're going to be eating? I thought that Very was good. Happening. Very good. That's a great story. Thanks so much for picking that story out. Now, let's do a poll. I want to do a poll because you, you took me back a bit to Baker Elementary in Richmond, Virginia, where I went to school, elementary school. Now, I want y'all I want y'all to talk to the talk to our, our audience uh, and let them know what was your favorite uh, meal at school. What meal did you look forward to at school? It could be middle school, it could be elementary school, or what, what food item was the one that you wanted? Who's up first? Kevin, you got yours? Yeah, I think I do. I was just trying to think of it real quick. I think it was, if I remember correctly, they had pretty good pizza back then. The, the yes, they day. did. Yeah, pizza's on good. the top of that list. Yeah, pizza was All good. right. Who's next? Tanya, what you got? That's what I was going to say. Friday nights, Friday uh, when they had the pizza, um, hey, that's my, good. Mom, my mom worked at the uh, schools in the cafeteria, so a lot of times, uh, yeah, <laughs> a man, lot of times. Man, if yeah. my mom worked in the cafeteria, I would have been hooking people up. I'd have my own side yeah. hustle in elementary school. Y'all ain't, I ain't even playing with you. Yeah. Real. Um, yeah, all right, so look, we're gonna play a little game. We're gonna play a little game because I, I realized something. We got nine squares right here. We got nine squares, so we're gonna see if we can get. Three in a row. So right now we got two pieces. All right. Maxine, what you got? Well, I remember middle class. So we, my mother didn't have, we couldn't buy lunch. We had uh -huh. to take our lunch. But one of the things I always wanted was the breakfast. And we couldn't even get the breakfast because we fell into middle class. And I always wanted the cheese toast. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't get it. Dessert with your lunch? Yes. Yeah. You should have been my friend. You should have been my friend. <laughs> I'd, have you up. I'd have found somebody that had that sweet tooth. And I'm like, look, you better get Maxine's dessert. Oh, she wanted that cheese bread. And I'd have, you would have got that. Yes. Yeah. That moon pies were my favorite. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have came to Becky Elementary. All right. Let's and go to Becky. Vicky, what you got? You know what's actually really interesting, Maxine? I know you said three in a row. I had, when I was in elementary school, it was this like, it was a little cheese bread and it had like a marinara dipping sauce in it. It was oh, called wow. like Italian Dunkers. It had like a, yeah, and it was just like cheese bread mm. and it just had some sauce. So I'm going to go ahead and say cheese toast, bread. cheese bread, just okay. like Miss Maxine. All right, so let's let's go to uh, let's go to Adrian. 
I guess I'm I'm all the way crazy. I love tater tots. Like tater tots, tater tots. Um, the there was this. It was like the white bean soup or something. Like they used to call it. Like it was some kind of bean soup. It later on I realized that it was like the same white chicken chili soup. Oh, okay. Like right. as I grew up and I seen it, it was like, oh my God, this is the elementary school suit. But I, I like the tater tots. I was big on tater tots and um what is that? Uh the 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 veal parmesan without the red sauce. Girl, we ain't had no parmesan. We was in the ghetto. What in the world are you talking about? All right, Jerome, I what you got? I went to a predominantly white school. I can tell. I'll take the uh chicken coat on blue today, please. All right, Jerome, what you got? Um because I grew up in the inner city. We weren't poor. We was so. We were so no broke. Poor no are. So <laughs> I had, I got free lunch. My problem and trauma with the food in school was the milk and cookies. Because when I came to elementary school, yeah, Marquis led that. And, and the first day I was there, the kindergarten teacher told my mother, on his first day, he gets free milk and he gets free cookies. He needs to bring a nickel every day so he can get his milk and cookies. Wasn't no nickel. So I only got it the first day. And every day after that, I cried. So I don't want to talk about this because this brings up childhood drama. <laughs> All right, we're going to send you some milk and cookies, my brother. Woo, send that man a pack of cookies. cookies and a gallon of milk. Him downstairs. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Telly. Our resident Him queen, what you got? So <laughs> mine is probably different. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it, but I think it was middle school, and they had this thing called traveling nachos. And it was really interesting. So what they did was take like a bag of Doritos, and they open it up, and they put like meat and cheese over it. And so I, I don't know why they call it traveling nachos, but it was the best thing ever. Between that and taco salad, it was the best. Has nobody wow. ever heard of that? Yeah, no? yeah, I know. I know. No, they, they serve that at the ballpark. It's they yeah, serve that at, they serve that at the ballpark. I, I, used walk around with it. I used to stunt. I'd be like, man, that's throw up. But when they would put it on my plate, I'm like, oh, my low key, I'd be so happy. Like, it's so good. I've never had it anywhere else. All so, right. Yeah. Right, traveling. Are right, you right up there with Asian? Now they make them in jail. Look, now the guys in jail make them too. They get the stuff, they prop it out the common, and they they cut up a little sausage meat, and they they got nachos too, baby. They 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 call themselves traveling nachos. Yep. <laughs> All right, they they making it making it work. All right, Marquise, what you got? Well, being um, that we both went to the same elementary school. Yes, yes. I I you know I had a wide variety of. Flavors. I had a plethora. A plethora. Uh, I, I, I myself, I, I enjoyed the chicken cordon bleu. Stop playing. I, I enjoyed that as well. Are you sure? Because I don't remember having chicken cordon bleu at our at our school. Well, I mean, if you just use your imagination, Steve. You talking about you know that chicken with that fake cheese on it? That's exactly right, man. If you <laughs> use your imagination. You gonna have some chicken cordon bleu, even though it ain't. All right, That's, all but, right. But, <laughs> but we, yeah, we were so we we were we were definitely poor without the R. We were po. And so the the best the best thing was was the um, what do you call that the the fruit the fruit cup 
the fruit, the fruit cocktail. That was my jam. <laughs> the fruit cocktail. Lee, yeah, Lee, look, grab me the whole thing. I used to beat people up for the fruit cocktail. Don't play. Don't play. I was, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a bully at one time. I was, I, you know, I go in and swipe the fruit cocktail because that was my jam. And then I learned how to trade. So I try, I'll cut the pizza in half, Steve. I cut the pizza in half because I got to have that pizza too. That's right. And get me a double up on a fruit cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> now I have a question. Y'all keep, Y'all keep saying pizza. And I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I'm older than them, but I'm younger than y'all. And y'all saying that y'all like pizza. So I'm trying to figure out what kind of pizzas are y'all talking about? Well, some like, schools had pizza the square pieces that you, the, the square pieces, right? They were cutting squares. And some had the actual pieces. Probably in your school, you had the real pizza company. No, we pizza had Pizza Hut. That's why I'm trying to tell you. We, I know we had Pizza Hut on Friday. Y'all thought I was that's, joking that's on why it. I, that's, real. that's why I said pizza was not going to be my day. I, I was not going to answer with Pizza Hut because that's what we got on Fridays. But that's why when y'all kept saying pizza, I'm thinking, you mean like the Elios? Like the little square? She like, the look, our mascot was a real horse with a real man on it. Ain't, ain't no way y'all had pizza like we had. What kind of pizza are you talking about? Uh-huh. I see what you're trying to do. All right, so let me tell you, let me tell you about my, my the thing that I look forward to, and it's shocking. Shocking. Because look at her laughing. Look at her. Because I got her. Now look, this is the thing. This is the thing that I used to like. It was peanut butter in a ball that they would roll in. in, in oh yes. In I couldn't. They were delicious. But this is the thing that really shocked me. When they would bring out the rolls, they had butter on a on a little piece of cardboard with a piece of plastic. You fill it off and you stick it in there with milk. It on. I don't know why that butter was so delicious on that roll. It was I like honey butter. Whole, whole Huh? It was like it was almost like honey butter. I don't know if yeah. that was cold order butter, but yeah, it was cold butter, and that butter I don't think ever melted. But <laughs> you know, it didn't melt till it got to the back of your mouth, and by the time I mean, you know what I'm saying, and you used, have to, you used to have to squish it down with your tongue in order to get it all in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was right hey, there, brother. Hey, we keeping it real tonight, y'all. We keeping it all the way real tonight. Because we want y'all to know that we've been through it too. All right. <laughs> we we had to suffer with hard That's butter. Right. Y'all know about that. That's what the People's Congress been through. That's why we got elected into the Congress in the first place. We had to suffer so we could teach y'all something. All right. Melt the butter first before you give people rolls. What are you trying to do? These just little kids. Don't hurt them. Love on them. All can right, I, people. Can I go? Can I go? Can I make a left turn here? I'm scared because we were doing before, you, before you turn. I got a question. Before you turn, has anybody ever noticed how they never put the milk in the refrigerator? What? Hmm? Y'all Kids must have you, you, you must have had Kids milk straight out the cow. In the refrigerator. That's because like, you probably had the milk straight out the cow, baby. The little boxes of low yeah, fat they, milk and they had the refrigerator. They didn't refrigerate that out. They yeah, didn't refrigerate hers because it came straight ice. from the cow. Refrigerator <laughs> ice. Right, right, right. They had to because that stuff would have hurt a lot yeah. of kids. Yeah. Ain't no way. Ain't no yep. way. All right, Marquise, let's take a left. Let's go ahead and take a left, Marquise. What you got? Now, I, I, I have a question. I have a question for the panel. I have a query. Out of all of the people here, how many of us have been homeless? Okay. And 
I'm gonna raise my hand, but we had talked about homeless earlier. Yeah. I was homeless, but I was hard headed. I just didn't want to follow the rules of the house. Oh, that's you talking about yourself. Okay. You damn right. I was talking about myself. I wasn't talking about nobody else. That was talking about me. Come on. That's yeah, so I, I can that's, why I tell, that's why I could tell somebody the truth about that. Like, you know, you should go home. Okay. So so like that. So we here at the People's People's Congress, we do have practical experience to go with the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Because I've I've been homeless as well. And yeah. and and I'll tell you, and this is this is something that I learned. And when I when I was homeless, I lived in a men's shelter down in Louisiana, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And what I can remember being in a men's shelter is that Men take it on the chin mm. because we're men and men are supposed to be self-sufficient, independent, blah, blah, blah. We don't get a pass like like women do because women are women and you have kids. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm being no, very I'm being very general, though. That's real. Yeah. But I was with an organization. I wish I could remember the name. Um, but when I laid down and listen to the men when they laughed you could hear the pain in their laughter mm. so when you see a man out here that's homeless i will tell you that pain is real he might not show it he might be hardened but at the end of the day when he lays down wherever he lays down it hurts no matter what that man's background is, he's now not where he probably could or should be. And he's he's in the midst of his struggle. And I would just encourage everybody to just breathe, take your time, maybe even pray for these people, drop money when you can, how you can, where you can. Um, you don't have to make a show of it. It's not about it's not about you. It's pretty much it's just about how you feel, how you feel giving, how they feel receiving and let God sort it out. All right. So this is what I want to do right here. Cause you know, you, you, you bring up a good point and we, we just not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. So, so middle class, this is your assignment. I want you to get those big zip, those big freezer bags that zip up. All right. Go get your box of those and then go down to the dollar store, the Walmart, buy some socks, some toothpaste, some deodorant and some underwear. Put it in that bag. Put in some. Uh, put in some wipes and anything else that comes to mind, like you know, Q-tips, whatever you want, and put create a bunch of them. When you just when you see somebody homeless, give them a care bag. Here, this is for you. They're gonna be so thankful because I heard that socks and underwear are the two most needed things that homeless people need. So make it a project. That way you can just bless people and say, "Look, I'm a part of the People's Congress. We take care of our people." Here you go. And if you can find a nonprofit organization or, or organization that helps homeless people, slip mm -hmm. their card or their information in the bag with them. Say, look, in the bag, this is who you need to call if you need help, and give it to them. And if you can remember their name, call them by their name the next time you see them and give them some dignity. Because these are humans, too. They're people, too. And Brother, they want to be cared. They want to be cared by you. That dignity, dignity goes a long way. Mm -hmm. when, when, you, when, when somebody recognizes you, and humanizes you by calling your name, right? You will move their mountain. Yeah, yeah. Just that's, by that gesture yeah. of kindness. Yeah, that's real talk. Yeah. And, that's and 
it, it it's it's unbelievable yeah. just how much humanity comes yeah. out when when yeah. you can do that for them. In fact, that's powerful, guy. I was just thinking about Steve what you said. What you said, you could basically carry those things in your car, ladies and gentlemen, as you go around yes. part of the city. Just have it in the car, in the trunk, ready to go. If you see a situation, stop. Be safe, of course, but you can just have it ready. That's perfect, right. Steve. I like that. Get out the window. Don't give them money. Give them stuff that actually can help them. Yeah, that's Look, good. We are the People's Congress. We yeah. want to do this for you. We, we we're going to end right here, but I want to let you know we care about our people, and we should. Every person that's on this Congress, every person that's watching this video, we should all care about the people we see. Why? Because those people could be us. And for many of us, and you've seen today, it was us. So we need to make sure that we're reaching out to each other, helping each other. And again, ATS empowers people to get educated, but Mexit is about raising them up to a level where they can exit together out of poverty, out of lack, out of their pain and their suffering. No one suffers alone. We are one community. And remember, the word community is two words, common unity. We got to come together. We got to be unified. And we have to make sure we love each other the way we should. But we see you, we'll see you guys on the next show. God bless.